at segapp-cnu-vapi. Venmo them what you can if you want to give. They're going to be raising funds for George and his family um, as they're going through an incredibly tough time. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in your day. I want to thank you for making me a part of it. And welcome to Rob Takes On, where the hashtag is silent. I'm your host, Hates Me Rob, on Twitter, and it has been a tough week for you and me both, my friend. As I really don't know where to start, I don't know what to say. I just know that I have a lot of things on my chest. And I have to say all of them. And you don't have to listen. This is a trigger warning for any of you at home. This episode has got some relatively sad topics. But we end on a high note. As I try to every week. We end with something good. Because we need to remember that it's okay to laugh. And it's okay to remember the good things. This week my family, my community, my home suffered two incredibly tragic losses. And if you don't know, now you know. And if you do know, you're very aware of it. Newport News and Christopher Newport's campus have become a very solemn and somber place this week. I guess all this episode is, is me sharing my condolences with those of you who are feeling the same pain that I am, and many of you may even be feeling a sharper and harder pain than I may be feeling at the moment, because you are there. But it is also an opportunity for me to just get all of my thoughts out on the table, as I just have plenty of them. I'll start with my mental health ticket of the week. I talk about mental health all the time. And I know what it's like to lose not one, but two friends to a battle with mental health. And that's a lot of the reason why I touch on it. I know that I talk about mental health and how important it is every single week. But I never talked about why. And with the loss of one captain to a battle with mental health, I figure that now is a better time than ever to talk about my my personal struggles with mental health, but also the things I've seen in losing friends to mental health. Because at the end of my junior year, and the beginning of my senior year, I lost not one, but two friends to mental health. I saw the impact it had on my closest friends and it broke my heart. And since then, I have been a strong advocate and friend of the mental health movement. And it has become a steamrolling train over the past year or so. As for me, I'm afraid to get help. I did at one point get help, go get counseling and talk to somebody. And let me tell you, that helped a lot. And I'm so incredibly thankful that I did. But I've always been afraid to seek more than just the basic counseling to actually get diagnosed because then it's real, right? And nobody wants it to be real. No one wants their anxiety or their depression or their 
sadness to be real, but sometimes that's what we need. And I've developed coping mechanisms and I've developed a great community and a great family of people that I can go to and trust and dive into. And I know that at the end of the day, it's okay to not be okay. And that's been my my catchphrase, my thing over the past 10 weeks, 11 weeks, however many episodes this is, that it's okay to not be okay. And it breaks my heart when somebody doesn't see that. So if you're out there and you're struggling with a mental health battle of your own, say something. Many college campuses have free options for counseling. That's where I went. Just say something to somebody. As for George, another captain who passed away this weekend, not to a battle of mental health, but a unfortunate car accident. Something you couldn't have planned or expected or thought would ever happen. And I think that's what makes this situation tough is that in both Alex and George's cases, no one saw this coming. I'm not going to pretend I was friends with Alex, but the mental health cord struck with me there. As for George, my heart breaks for his fraternity brothers in Sigma Phi Epsilon. My heart breaks for his family. My heart breaks for his closest friends, his classmates, for all of them. My heart is broken because I know what it's like to lose somebody much sooner than you should have lost them. To see the heartbreak on my closest friends and on their family and on the university as a whole was devastating. So today my my heart goes out to you if you're a mother or a father or a sister, a brother, or a friend, if you're in SIGEP, at CNU or anywhere, you lost a good one. You lost a true epitome of what it means to be a gentleman and a scholar, somebody who embodied the values of Christopher Newport University and will always be a captain for life. I am not okay. And that's fine. You may not be okay. And that's fine. And if you're listening you didn't know either of these people. And you don't want to listen to this sad boy episode. That's fine. Tune in next week. Things will be better. I think we've got sports on with Corbin. But for the rest of you. Know that it's okay. And know that this community in Newport News is there to rally around you. But it's also okay to laugh. It's also okay, and I highly encourage you to remember the good things, the memories, the drinking moments, the funny things he said in chapter. The good memories are the things we want to capture and hold forever. I remember when my friend Austin passed away. We're at a memorial service on campus. It was finals week so everybody was already strung up on on finals and emotions were high and the the memorial service ended and 
a lot of us were in tears. The tissue boxes were quickly being emptied. And in the middle of the sanctuary, just this uproarious laughter came from his closest friends and his family. And in that moment, I remembered that there were so many good things to take with me about that situation. Was it upsetting? Yes. But were there good memories to look back on? Absolutely. And I will never forget that moment. Even still, this week, while walking around campus yesterday because I felt I really can't be in my apartment alone, I walked by a couple of his brothers, George's brothers, in Sigep, and I was with one of mine, one of my brothers, and we were talking about a potential memorial service, and both my brother and Del Tubson and I were adamant that we would be there for those brothers of George as quickly as we could be. We'd be there for them as soon as they asked, whether it was taking a shift at work or just showing up to the memorial. And then we mentioned the potential of a early weekend memorial. The first thing that was said in the middle of that circle, as soon as that potential weekend memorial service came up, was George would be irate if he got in the way of our weekend drinking. And that just made us all laugh and remembered, yeah, George was definitely one for a good time. And drinking aside, that laugh in that moment was something that all four of us very much needed. And it reminded me that it's okay to laugh. To bring yourself back to normal, you have to remember the happy things and to laugh sometimes. I think the most frustrating thing about this is that there's nowhere to harness our energy. Because when my closest friends lost two to a battle of mental health, we knew exactly where to go. We knew the cause that we needed to fundraise for, the thing we needed to stop. Mental health awareness, taking care of yourself, doing something for you, getting an emotional support animal. We knew where to harness our grief. But what are we supposed to do about this? Be angry about deer? Like, it was an accident. And there's nothing that we can be mad at. There's nothing that we could have done about this. And I think that's the hardest thing to cope with. The fact that we shouldn't have to be used to losing so many people in our lives at the age of 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. That that pain, that sense of normalcy felt like was reachieved is now back to rebuilding. And honestly, I don't know how many of these thoughts are valid. I don't, I'm just ranting at this point. And I don't even know if it's appropriate for me to continue telling you about my weekend. But I have been an advocate of laughing 
And my weekend was certainly one to laugh at. So if you're looking for a story or two, stick around. Just to get away, just to distract you for a second, let me indulge you on my weekend with the power company. As this weekend, we also saw a terrible storm tear, just tear through the state of Virginia. And as somebody who works for the power company in the Department of Customer Service, I was called upon to work long, long hours all weekend long. So we'll start with the graveyard shift. On Thursday, I went out after work. I had an eight-hour shift, and I went out on a date, silly me, because I knew I had to be at work at 9 a.m. the next day. So I said, okay, I have an extra hour that I can sleep so I can go to bed an extra hour later. I go to work, and I've been looking forward to these dinner plans all week long. I was so excited about it. And the storm causes a causes an audible. And the chicken that is in my fridge at the moment that has been thawed out is now rancid. I should probably throw it away. I'm on my way to grocery shop now after I'm done with this episode. But caused an audible. I went up, ended up driving to her. We went to dinner. It was a really great time. At least I thought so. Hope she did too. Anyway, had a good time, got home, crawled into bed around 1 o'clock. My phone rings. This is Dominion Energy. You need to come to work. It's more, more professional than that and more automated than that. But I, can't, I went to work at 1.30 in the morning after working an eight-hour shift already, then going out for a couple of hours, finally crawling into bed, and now going back to work for another 12-hour shift. So I worked 12 more hours. So I worked 20 hours. I was awake for about 32 without sleep. And let me tell you, an all-nighter as an adult is certainly not the same as an all-nighter in college. And I actually had a Facebook memory the next day that I had pulled an all-nighter two years before. And let me tell you, that one was much more pleasant than this. I do have two relatively funny stories that I do want to, uh, do want to throw your way. And then I have to end this show with a challenge for you through all these tough times. So the first story, and I think you'll get a kick out of these. If you don't, whatever. Next week's a new show. So I get this lady on the phone. It's the end of my shift on Sunday. I've been at work 12 hours now. And she calls and she goes, hey, I still don't have power. Or I don't have power. I'd like to report a power outage. It's, but it's only partial power. I have power in my bedroom, and my fridge is working, but that's it. Everything in my apartment besides that is not working. It's off. It's broken. That led me to be confused. If it leads you to be confused, then you're thinking the right way. So I asked this woman, the first question I thought to ask was, well, can you check your breakers for me? I'd be more than happy to get that outage reported. Let's start with the breakers. This woman responds, Oh, I, I can't check the breakers. I, I'm unable to do that. To which led me to respond, well, ma'am, why is that the case? And I'm thinking, well, if the lights are out, maybe she just can't see the breakers. Maybe they're in a dark room. Maybe she doesn't have a flashlight, whatever. Her response took me by surprise. She goes, well, I'm, I'm visually impaired. I'm, I'm blind. I can't see anything. 
Which, if your thought process is the same as mine, I'm questioning why she's calling to report a power outage. Ma'am, how do you know your power is out if you can't see anything? I, just, I don't... I don't understand. I guess if you know your fridge is on because you put your hand in there and it's still cold, I guess. I'm not sure how you know your power is on if you're blind, but that's a real that's a real thing that happened to me. I'm not really sure why she thought her power was out, but uh, I put the power outage in and I recommended she called maintenance. But the point being, I'm still not sure her power was actually out. So that was story one. Story two was that uh, I had a customer who called me and said, hey, uh, the neighbors across the street are on. Why am I not on? And granted, she was a lot nastier than this. Um, but she was like, the neighbors across the street are on. Why am I not on? And all this, just fussing. So I said, well, ma'am, give me a second. I believe the answer to that question is that you're coming from two different sources. You know, the way the grid works, not a lot of people understand. Maybe I can have an episode to tell you exactly how power outages work. Today's not the day. But the point is, two sides of the neighborhood were getting their service from two different locations or two different transformers is what my assumption was. And I went and looked and that is that was the correct assumption. And I also looked a little bit more in depth as to why her power was out. And I said, well, ma'am, it looks like there's a wire down in your neighborhood, among other things. She said, well, how hard is it to put a wire back up? To give you some perspective on that, very, just simple, very. Beyond the initial issue that there's a wire down, you kind of have to start at the back and work your way in. So you start at the biggest jobs at the substations and at the generation plants and get everything fixed there because let's say your wire is down in your neighborhood. Let's get that wire up. Doesn't mean there's not a pull down, maybe 14 miles down the road that is going to affect your service as well. So we got to get that pull up before we get the wire up. And this woman didn't understand that. So I was like, well, ma'am, there's a wire down, there's a pole down, a tree and a pole and some issues at the substation, a fire we had to put out, a whole bunch of things. She did not accept this because she couldn't see all of this damage that this storm had caused. And she goes, how hard is it to fix a wire? What am I paying you guys for? Well, at the end of the call, I went back and looked through her account and saw that she hadn't paid us in four months. And I thought, well, ma'am, you're not paying us for anything. So <laughs> I don't know what you mean. What are you paying us for? You're not. You're not paying us for Jack. You know very well you haven't paid your bill in at least two, maybe even three months. I just don't get it. All that to say, that's just a snippet of, of good stories. The rest of them, very much not as pleasant, not as sweet. And the last story I will mention is not necessarily a funny story, but more of one that will give you a perspective on life. And then I'll end here with my challenge. So I had a customer go out in Northern Virginia, and Northern Virginians certainly have a, a reputation to uphold. And being that I'm from Northern Virginia, I feel like I can say that. There's a sense of entitlement if you say you're from Nova. And if you're not from Nova, you can feel it. You can smell it in the air when someone from Northern Virginia, Nova, you can smell it when they walk into the room, that sense of preppiness, snobbiness, entitlement. I know it comes off of me a little bit. However, 
I do know I'm not the worst that's come worst thing that's ever come out of Northern Virginia. That point being, I got a phone call from a lady from Northern Virginia. I won't say who, where, or what, but I did have a p- estimated time of restoration for her. For the most part, that's a really good thing. If your power goes out and you call and you say, hey, my power is out, and they say, all right, we do know when it's going to be on, but I can tell you, you do have an estimated time of restoration. Now, the greater portion of our 600,000 customers that were out didn't have that estimated time of restoration for a long time. This woman went out on Monday morning, maybe 10 o'clock in the morning. She calls in and says, hey, my power's been out for about 45 minutes. I said, all right, ma'am, be more than happy to report that for you. Give me just a second, report the outage. And I get this estimated time of restoration, which to most people, especially that day, was a good thing. I said, hey, your estimated time of restoration is sometime this evening between 5 o'clock and 8. And she was not having it. She said, 5 o'clock and 8, that's ridiculous. All my food's going to go bad. And that just sucks. I know there's nothing you can do about it from your desk because that's all you do is sit at a desk all day. But if you could tell them to hurry up, that would be great. And then she hung up the phone. She was not happy. She was going to lose all her groceries. But let me tell you, a lot of people have it a lot worse. A couple of phone calls later, I got another lady. She's from a little farther south, living right off of a river. She calls us and says, sweet, sweet old lady. Says, hey. Me and the rest of my street are still out of power. I just want to make sure y'all haven't forgotten about us. There's about six of us here on the street. Went and re-reported the outage for her. But while I was doing so, asking her questions about how she was doing without power, she seemed to be a little more understanding than a lot of these customers who had been out almost four days at this point. And she goes, you know, I've seen a lot of the devastation in Florida and throughout the state. And honestly, we could go a couple more days without power. We're honestly a lot luckier than most people. Yeah, it's tough not having power for the weekend, but we could go a couple more days. And thank God she said that because her estimated time of restoration wasn't for another 24 hours. And I told her that and she said, you know what, it's okay. I know you guys are working as hard as you can. The perspective on the two. The first lady, not okay with six hours without power. She wasn't even being home for most of it, I'm sure. She was probably going to work. This other lady who seems to be retired, living on a river, wasn't going to have power until the next evening. It's like, okay, that's life. I think that is a lesson that I needed this week, that life is not always going to go your way. And this week, it certainly did not. But that's okay. It's life. Life happens. And I've also realized and recognized that while I try to say it's a great day for a great day every day, that as of late, I've really been down in the dumps. I've really been just doom and gloom and woe is me. And that can't happen anymore. For at least for me. I don't know if you've been the same way, but adulthood's been kicking my behind. It's just been work sucks. I hate living by myself. I miss my roommate. X, Y, Z, this is wrong, that is wrong, this is wrong. And that's not helping anybody. So with all of these things, I've decided that over the course of the next month, I'm going to participate in a challenge. I'm going to do it on Twitter. And I would encourage you to join me in this Rob Takes On Challenge called Today Was a Good Day. 
every day may not be the best day in the world and every day may not be a great day, but when you spend some time in your day looking for a reason why it was a good one, you'll find something. It may be as small as you got a good parking spot or as small as you got a good night's sleep. Or maybe as big as you got a promotion, you got a great grade on an exam you studied really long for. Look for something in every day so that you can go to bed saying today was a good day. Use the hashtag TWAGD, which is short for today was a good day. Use the hashtag RobTakesOn if you'd like. That way I can follow along with you. Or you can tag me on Twitter at Hey It's Me Rob. Because we've always got something good to look to. It may not always seem like that. And life may not always be the best. But you've got to roll with the punches and sail on. Right? Next week, we've got sports with Corbin. Unless he flakes on me. And then it's sports by myself again. And we're going to try to have Juliana Wagner on the show too soon. Thank you guys again for tuning in. I know it wasn't the best or most positive episode. But look at the positives. Today was a good day because... What? There's got to be something. And I'll start here on Thursday. Today was a good day... Because I remembered and was reminded about the community of people I work with and how special my office really is. I find myself complaining about work more than I should, but today I was reminded how fun work can be sometimes. That's why today was a good day. Why was today a good day for you? I'd love to hear. So please, let me know. So that's going to do it here for Rob Takes On... A series of unfortunate events. I didn't find any events about unfortunate. Siri thought I was talking to her. It's okay, Siri. Go away. That's going to do it, though. That's going to do it for Rob Takes On. I will say, um, if you're looking to support the brothers of SIGAP at CNU, you can Venmo them. They're sending, or raising money, rather, for George and his family. You can Venmo... SIGAP at CNU. Their Venmo is SIGAP-CNU-VirginiaPi. That's SIGAP-CNU-VAPI. Venmo them what you can if you want to give. They're going to be raising funds for George and his family um, as they're going through an incredibly tough time. Thoughts and prayers, I'm sure, would be appreciated for George and Alex and both of their families. I'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for continually supporting me on the Rob Takes On Podcasts movement. And until next time, remember, today was a good day for something. You just got to find out what. And as always, don't do anything I wouldn't do. You'll find it's a pretty short list. Bye!